Welcome to The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. In your life, do you celebrate the downfalls along with the peaks? You should. These define you as the person you are and help you learn your way to personal success. Now, here is the host of The Movement, Shannon D. Hughes. Just in case anyone's been paying attention, there are exactly 27 days left in 2018 and it's still not too late to make some movement before between now and the end of the year. If you haven't done so far, I won't criticize you, but I'm just going to let you know it's never too late. I am your host of The Movement, Shannon E. Hughes, and welcome to The Movement. We are here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America and on the Influencers Channel. Let me give out the toll-free number if you have any questions for my powerful guest who I'll introduce in a minute, 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine five. That is eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. I am so happy to give out the international number as well. Our audience is growing. Zero zero one four eight zero three nine eight fourteen zero five. That's zero zero one four eight zero three nine eight fourteen zero five. We had some new countries checking in: Netherlands, Germany, uh, Venezuela. Pakistan, Sweden, we even had Finland and Thailand check in this week, so I really appreciate it. And Israel, let me throw that in as well. Thank you for listening to the movement. If you don't like to talk, you can always email the show, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. I probably talk too long anyway, but I want my guests to do some talking here in a minute. So let's say you have 6 to 12 months to live dealing from a rare cancer and you survive it. What do you do after that? Well, you become a cancer coach, a speaker, an international author, advocate, philanthropist, humanitarian, obviously cancer survivor and thriver. And yes, she is a mom. She is the founder and CEO of Along Comes Hope, a nonprofit organization helping families of children with cancer. And their mission is simple to provide. To provide support through financial assistance with travel for treatment, creative emotional support programs for the entire family, advocacy work on Capitol Hill to promote policy changes and awareness and education programs nationally within local communities. She will articulate this much better than I did a minute ago. Jenny Mulks, welcome to the movement. How are you? (laughs) I'm great, Shannon. Thank you for having me. And thank you for jumping in. Uh, I, w- I was telling uh, my producer and you that, that I had to find a guest really quick. And I said, who is this woman? And was just blown <laughs> away by everything that you're doing. So we got a lot to cover with you. So well, let's just jump right into it. Tell me, tell the moving nation a little about, about yourself. Where you, you were born and raised. And just give us a little bit of your childhood. Well, I was actually born in upstate New York. But I am wow. a Californian. <laughs> so ah. irony there. <laughs> Um, yeah, we moved from the upstate New York when I was three years old and um, back and forth to the East Coast and to the West Coast a couple of times because of my dad's corporate career that landed basically from the time I was three and then uh, grew up in Bakersfield, California. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Buck Owens and country music, but that's the home of Buck Owens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Well, what was life in Bakersfield for you as a, as a, as a youngster? You know, it's such an awesome, small-town community atmosphere back then. Now it's gotten quite a bit bigger. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really an, an oil, um, oil-oriented oil town. And we actually got the award, I want to say in the 1980s, of the friendliest town. Um, very much family style. You know, I grew up, uh, we owned a, a franchise of donut shops, a family business. Mm-hmm. Started working in that when I was 11 years old. So I am a master 
at baking any donut that you would want. <laughs> mm, I need to talk yes. about that during the commercial break. I love hearing that. Okay. I love donuts. <laughs> I wow, had a donut yes. today. Who, who Keeps the doctor who away. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Now, brothers and sisters, how do you have any brothers, or your only child? I do. Well, I act like an only child, but I do have brothers <laughs> and sisters. <laughs> I'm the baby, so I have okay. an older brother and older sister. Um, all three of us went to the same high school, private Catholic high school. You know, we all would work in the donut shop after school and on weekends, and so we were we're a really tight family. And uh, Dad had the corporate job, and then he would work weekends also at the donut shop with us. So would you say that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that kind of was some bonding with you all? You all were kind of together, you worked as a family together, and maybe even showed you some entrepreneurship probably at an early age. Is that fair to say? Oh, most definitely, yes. Um, we we worked together, we fought together. I got fired uh, by my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yep, that's the only job I've been fired from. <laughs> what was what was that? I was curious. What was that conversation? How that went? <laughs> that conversation was like this. My sister was the assistant manager at the time. I'm the younger mm-hmm. sister. She and I uh, would uh, fight like cats and dogs. She didn't like it that I would be on the phone with my friends sometimes during my shift. <laughs> so one day she says to my mom, she gave her an ultimatum. She says, either she goes or I go. And I was just, you know, I worked shifts, but I wasn't an assistant manager. I was still in, in high school. My mom mm-hmm. looks at me and she says, sorry, Jen. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, needless to say, they missed me after a few weeks and I was back on the, the payroll. <laughs> and see, see absence, <laughs> absence makes the hearts go f- fonder, Jenny. You know that as well, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jenny Lawrence is my guest. That. I learned it. I was dispensable. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. Not so. Funny. Let's come forward a little bit. So, uh, let's say let's say probably into your twenties or so. So I'm sure you're working. So talk about. I'm sure you were working a corporate job. Take, can you take us through that a little bit? I was actually. I was an accidental salesperson. Um, I moved home accidental. from San Diego State after graduating, mm-hmm. back to Bakersfield, and was going to be there for a few months because I really wanted to go settle up in Sacramento Folsom area because that's where my bro- brother and his family had moved to. And okay. I liked the vibe there, you know. Well, back, uh, that was in the 80s. So I'm dating myself here, but <clears throat> jobs were posted in the classifieds at that point. <laughs> I remember. I remember. You remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, I do. So, <laughs> literally, I had been home for two days from Christmas, for Christmas break um, from San Diego. My dad tears out a little square for a job at Bakersfield Cellular. And I ended up working, um, which was a Bell South company. And my dad okay. had retired 31 years with Contel, so I thought, yeah, I'm, I've got my career. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> God, the 80s, that just brings back so many memories. So tell me when you were, as you're working, mm-hmm. um, and before we start going a little bit further, was, was your mindset just... I'm going to be just a corporate worker and just do my thing. Did Jenny have any aspirations of doing her own thing? Obviously, you always, you had the family business and everything. What was your mindset like at that point of your life? At that point, I really believed I was going to retire as a corporate career woman with, um, okay. with a, a major telephone company because I saw how well that provided for my family. And mm-hmm. then at, at the same time, start a family business. Um, if not, continue on Foster's Donuts, because we still had Foster's Donuts, too. And we had 15 stores okay. at that time. 
So that was, um, that was where I was actually headed. I thought, well, I can do this. I can kind of duplicate in cookie cutter what my mom and dad have done. Mm-hmm. That's where we learn, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. By example. <laughs> wow. Jenny Mokes is my guest on the Movement 866-472-5795. Excuse me. had a little hiccup there a second ago. All right, Jenny, let's dig in just a little bit. So, as I said in the introduction, you are a uh, cancer survivor and thriver. <laughs> so, can we delve into a little bit about when you were first, I guess, alerted of the cancer? And can can you kind of take us through that period? What was that like? Yeah, well, that wasn't part of the business plan at all. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, as Definitely cancer not. is not part of anybody's plan. And so Mm-mm. when we don't plan for things like that, we're totally taken aback. I was a regional manager in pharmaceuticals at that time, single mom, um, four-year-old little boy, and a very busy career, but it was, it was thriving. You know, I was moving up and things were going well. Um, and as a sole provider, you work hard to make sure that you're giving the best to your child. Well, I... Um, I'd had some symptoms, really, for about 10 months and gone to a couple mm-hmm. different doctors, mm-hmm. and their diagnosis was, you're stressed. Like, huh, well, it didn't, didn't feel right. You know when something just doesn't resonate with you? You're like, yes, mm, yes. You seem like what it is. Mm-hmm. So um, that, it wasn't stress, but I'll tell you what, I can't, uh, there are so many people that are misdiagnosed by stress um, and that's swept under the table, so that's why it's really important to be your own advocate. And being in pharmaceuticals, I knew how to be my own advocate. Right. So when I uh, got the diagnosis that I was, uh, had this, this rare and aggressive cancer, it came in a very cold and calloused way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning in the ER, and I had brought in some images at about 5 o'clock into the ER that Friday night. And the image was... Um, my spine and pelvic area, and you could see down in the lower rib cage area this giant egg. And mm. when I saw that with my chiropractor, this all started with my chiropractor. I said, what is that? He said, I don't know, but I want you to get it checked. So of course, I left his office up in Monterey, California, drove two and a half hours home, went to the ER. Well, that egg ended up being my kidney, which had calcified oh. and atrophied. Oh. And... Yeah, kind of crazy. It's like, wait a minute, I have a baby, so you should have seen Mm -hmm. that on an ultrasound. So when did this all happen? You know, so, okay, we can survive with one kidney. I've been surviving with one kidney. Mm -hmm. Well, they take me into a CT scan after the ultrasound, and I'm waiting, and this doctor finally walks in my room at about 1 o'clock, and my mom and I are there, and we're making kidney jokes, you know, because we think at this point it's really nothing serious. Right. doctor never looks at me. And, you know, I mean, I know sometimes these, well, not sometimes, these are difficult conversations. So it's difficult for doctors to deliver bad news. But mm-hmm. You have to have a bedside manner. Right. Um, especially delivering this kind of news. And she confirms my name. She's still not looking at me. And she says, well, it looks like you've got metastatic liver cancer. And I mean, talk about the air being sucked out of the room. Uh, uh. I look at her and I said, no, 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 no. You, you must have a mistake. You must have the wrong patient. Um, I right. have a calcified kidney. She said, no, your kidney is a moot point. You have a massive tumor in your liver. You've got metastatic liver cancer. Oh. Yes. Uh. So at that moment, it was almost like I was pleading with her for my life, and I started begging Uh her. I'm like, this must be a mistake. I have a four-year-old little boy. I'm a single Uh mom. I have to be here to be his mother. 
because I knew what metastatic liver cancer meant. And my mom looked right. at her. She finally looks at us, literally. This is the first time she gives us eye contact. And my mom says, what are her chances? And the doctor puts her finger and her thumb together and shows about a half an inch of light between. And that is her answer right there. Oh, so we're talking probably, and I'm just guessing, probably less than, what, 5%? Yes. That survived this uh, kind of cancer? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, oof. I don't know if you've ever had news delivered to you like that, but it was pretty raw. Oh, my God. So, yeah. and we have a couple minutes before the break, so let me ask the obvious and stupid question. <laughs> Your Obviously, your your mortality. So you're sitting there. Is your range of thoughts? Why me? What can I do? Take me through. I, obviously, you were saying a little bit. Give me more. Was it? Were you still in shock, and then the fear set in? Were you fearful right off? Tell me what that rush was like. I'm sure your body had to. You were probably numb listening to this being delivered to you. Uh, everybody's body responds differently. My body literally, yes. um, I, I, I ran to the bathroom and threw up. Oh, my God. And so that was an interesting response. I've never had something like that happen. Right. Um, but immediately, my thought wasn't me. It was, I have to be here to be for my son. For your you know, son, yes. Or, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just not acceptable. Um, and I kept thinking, I didn't think why me... Um, I, my honest response was, oh, hell no. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> there you We're going to do something about this. Um, right. I, again, I'm in a little community. I live in San Luis Obispo, so our level of expertise with a rare disease like this right. um, is not high. Thank God I was in pharmaceuticals, so I knew that, you know, let's get other opinions. But at that mm-hmm. moment, I, I also, contradictorily, felt like I was dying right then and there. Because when somebody tells you that you've got, you know, half an inch of light of the chance to survive, and it's a physician, there's a credence to it that you start believing it. So I literally thought, I need to go home now and crawl in bed with my little boy and snuggle him because I have days left, and that's it. Wow. So there was probably a thought that you weren't even going to see. I, it, it's, it, it's fear. I guess we can say it was fear that you were just like, I could go at any time now. It's like, oh, my God, it's, it's that rare. It, when you hear rare, sometimes it's good. And in this case, it was not. Did you think like, oh, my God, I'm going to be gone tomorrow? I'm going to be gone. I could be gone tonight. Was your emotions all over the place? Could you compartmentalize and just say, okay. Or were you at that stage where you can say, all right, let's move forward? So in that time when the the news was delivered to you, were Uh you just still, let me just hug my boy and I'll just deal with it tomorrow? How was the family around you dealing with this when this news was delivered to you? Um, It was definitely uh, the giant clock was ticking Mm. so loud. Yeah. And it was an awareness of how precious and fragile and how... Um, life can change in a drop of a dime in a second and and no notice. But the fragility and the preciousness of it just surmounted at that moment. Mm -hmm. And and that was what I wanted to do was be with my family and be in a circle of love, not be in a cold, 
ICER room and then being transferred Mm -hmm. upstairs at 2 in the morning. Right. Wow. And that's what I had to do. Jenny Mokes is my guest here on The Movement. Uh, We have, Jenny, we have about two minutes before the break. Um, Your son was four at the time, correct? Correct. Okay. So, obviously, this is not, obviously, like, did you... Did you just go home and hold him? Did you say anything to him? Were you, can you, was was there a conversation between you and your four-year-old son that mommy has this rare form of cancer? Did that happen or were you putting it off? Can you take me through that? It did happen, but not immediately. Um, I okay. was sent upstairs. They immediately wanted to figure out the point of origin. So I spent the next mm-hmm. three days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the conversation with Gabriel for a couple of weeks. Uh, okay. and, and that ended up being a mistake, and that's something that when I coach my cancer patients now, I tell them transparency and communication with your children is crucial. Mm. I didn't have the words, um, but he felt the disruption in the family. He saw you know, grandma and grandpa crying. He saw mommy crying. Mm-hmm. He energetically could feel it. Mm. Yeah. And it's and, it's interesting. A four, like kids, We I don't have any kids, but I taught kids for 21 years. They are very perceptive. They can pick up on the smallest detail, even the, the younger ones seem to be a little bit more perceptive than the older kids. It, it, it sounds like from you that he just kind of knew, obviously with you seeing people crying, he probably felt that there was a shift and he needed to know what was going on. He did, exactly. And that was when I finally decided, okay, at his level, I need to be able to explain as clear as possible mm-hmm. what's happening and how he's a part of this and how we are a team. And that, you know, through love, we're going we're gonna to make it through this. Whatever making it through this looked like. Yes. It doesn't mean always wow. survivorship, but we we're going to do it with love and with grace. Exactly. Yeah. Jenny Mulks is my powerful guest here on The Movement. As I said, the phone number is 866-472-5795. If you have any questions for this wonderful woman, you can email the show, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. Jenny, we are going to take a break. When we come back from the break, I want to find out from you, what was your son's reaction after you delivered the news? And then what steps you did going forward to try to start tackling on tackling this rare disastrous disease the cancer word is scares a lot of people but you have proven you you can take it on and be a champion coming out of this so when we come back we're going to get jenny's answer we will be right back with my guest jenny mokes here on the movement right after this Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at Enterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com il. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? 
Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. I love those numbers, 866-472-5795. It's the toll-free number for my guest, Jenny Monks. Email Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. You can listen to this interview live or on a replay later this evening. And you can go to VoiceAmerica.com, go to the Influencers Channel. Listen to it on demand and Stitcher, and you can also listen in iTunes. This is um, what we have two more interviews left after this one. So I hope everybody tunes in. And again, 27 days left in this year. And we are going to get back to Jenny here in just a second, listening to the movements that she's made in her life. So again, 866-472-5795. So Jenny, just before the break, um, I had said that I wanted to see what was your son's response when you delivered this devastating news? What was his reaction when you told him? The little boy was able to respond with a very deep response. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm sorry, Mommy. He held his hands on, on each side of my face because, of course, I had tears coming down. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me if I was going to die. Mm. And, and that's the hard part about, about opening that Pandora's box and then giving right. an honest answer. But what I told him, because the four-year-old's capacity to understand this is, is small, but yet they can also understand the severity of it by the way that their parent is talking or whoever is talking. But right. I told him I had a poisonous be- uh, um, bubble in my belly that we needed to shrink and we, needed to, um, and we were going to use medicine and surgery to do that. And... That kind of gave them a visualization of understanding what it was, um, and I didn't. We didn't want to focus on the word cancer too much because then when he goes right. to preschool, and then they and then you get other kids go, well, my grandpa or my grandma died of cancer, and you know, so right. um, that was his response. And then knowing that I was going to be gone for treatment right. was really difficult because when you're told you have, you know months to live, six to 12 months Mm. to live at most, Mm -hmm. last thing you want to do is have to be away from your child. Right. But if I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to survive. So no place in California was able to give me any chance of hope. I had five different doctors tell me the the same outcome and the same Mm -hmm. expectation until I got to Houston. Mm. When I got to Houston MD Anderson Cancer Center, they had a different message for me. Ah, was- here we go. What was this message, Jenny? <laughs> I found my hope makers. 
Yes. Tell us about tell us about that message. What what so when you got to Houston, what was so? What, did you go by yourself, or did you have any family that went with you when you went down there? My mom and dad went with me, um, and okay. we had just left one institution that day, and that was the most devastating news. And um, that day, I mean, it's like how can it get more devastating? Well, it did that right. day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I looked at my parents when we were looking to go. We had to hustle out of uh, to, out of the hospital here in California, and we had to get to the airport. And I looked at them, I go, why should we even go? I mean, it's futile at this point, isn't it? And my mom goes, oh, no, we are going. Because, you know, you start feeling that beat-up sense. And I was starting to get to the point where I was nearly bedridden because we were on, we were on a two-week search of trying to find who I needed to be treated by. Mm. So when we went and we landed in Houston, um, I had a complete stranger pick me up, myself and my family, up at the airport. Um, She worked for our company, and my boss had put out a national message trying to get help for me wherever, get me into institutions, you know, by backdooring it, um, Mm -hmm. as well as pick her up at the airport. So this woman became like a sister to me. She picks us up at 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, She's 45 minutes away from home. You know, she's got a family. Um, she picks us up back up in the morning at 7 o'clock in the morning to, to begin our day at, at the uh, medical center in Houston. Okay. And it's overwhelming there. I mean, it's seven miles of skyscrapers of just <laughs> institution after institution doing cutting-edge medicine. That's crazy. Mm. But from the time we walked in that door, from the people that parked our car to the people that greeted us to the person that drew my blood to... Um, you know, meeting my team, my, my medical team, it was like there was just this, this radiance of, of hope that they gave in the way that they treated you. Mm-hmm. And there was an energy there. You ever walk into a place where the energy just feels so good? Yes. Um, and that's really oh, ironic oh, yes. to say with a cancer institute, right? <laughs> right, right. There's an oxymoron right there, exactly. Yeah, but when you walked in there... It was so filled with love because it's either caregivers, patients, um, or providers, you know, that are nurses and doctors, and there's a level of compassion and love, like, we're in this together. And it was just an energy I had not felt yet. And I've been to institutions all over being in pharmaceuticals for 14 years. Um, And I knew I was home. I was like, all right, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And so we did. (laughs) Wow. Um, so obviously your son was not with you. I'm sure you stayed in contact with him. Was, how was that, how was that communication between you and your son while you were in Houston? Oh, I'm glad you asked that because this is a story I don't tell very often. Um, Mm -hmm. and I should because it's important. So as a four year old, you know, you worked with children. Um, kids have a hard time with the concept of time Yes. and you know, mom's gone and how many days are you gone? And so I would obviously call him every day, um, you know, and ask him about his day. But the special thing that we created was something called the mommy box. That's what we called it. Okay. And if I was going to be gone for seven days, I would wrap seven little tiny presents. It might be an army man or a matchbox car or whatever it was. And when I'd call in the morning, he'd go out to the mommy box and he'd get, you know, he'd open it up. And I'd say, now count how many presents you have in there. I have five, Mommy. Okay, open it up. Tell me what you got today. And I'm like, okay, how many are left? 
there's four, so he'd have a concept because he knew when the box ran empty, then mommy was his gift the next day. Ah, So that's how we helped him to have that visualization of mommy's coming home. And, of course, I always had backup presents in case my Uh trip was late and getting home. You know, we never know. Uh But um, that was how the communication was really, you know, there wasn't FaceTime then. Uh Um, So that would have helped, obviously. I also had, uh, that was when those picture frames were new with, you know, you could play all the pictures. Yes. Uh, in a voice. So he had a picture frame of pictures of us, and he had my voice in it. And I had the same at my hospital where I just lay there in bed and watch 300 and something pictures of him go over and over and over. Because <laughs> that was my inspiration, you know. There were days that, mm-hmm. man, you, just, you, you were in a lot of pain, and I, and I wanted to quit. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That is, that, that's, so quitting that wasn't is... an option. <laughs> Wow. Jenny Mokes is my guest, 866-472-5795. Let's talk about your job for a second. You've mentioned it a couple of times. So it sounds like they were very instrumental in you kind of dealing with this or putting your plan in, into action into fighting this rare cancer. Definitely. My company was so supportive. Um, <clears throat> we were a smaller pharmaceutical that company at that time. And while I was out on leave, we did get bought out by a, a larger Japanese company, which you know, and it really changed the our culture. But at the time, um, the executives, I mean, all executive leadership was behind me. Uh, they helped with fundraising because cancer is expensive. So think about this. Here mm-hmm. I am, corporate woman, making good money, good benefits, but yet I even needed fundraising. Mm. Think about those that don't have that, you know? Right. So my company was, um, I couldn't have asked for better. And we, we'd all gone through a lot together because our management team really built this company from ground up. So we lived together on the road for eight months, um, hiring 2,500 sales reps and 114 of us managers. So you were either going to love each other or hate each other. And we ended up, thank goodness, loving each other. <laughs> so we truly were a family, you know, and had gone through so much, so... It was, um, they had that attitude of, we leave no man behind. And they just embraced my family, and, and uh, that was how I got into, um, into MD Anderson so quickly, was somebody that knew somebody. Um, otherwise, I had to wait. I was on a list of four to six weeks to get in. Um, and when you're told you have cancer and you've got, you know, weeks or months to live, you don't have those two weeks to wait. Right. Because that's just a consultation. You're not even sure that that's who you're going to go with. So if you think about that, had I not gotten the back door in um, to all these places, how much that would have delayed. Wow. So, yeah, they were, they were instrumental. A community like that is so important to somebody's yes. healing. Yes. No matter what and you're facing. And I'm sure you've heard even through all of the coaching and all the things you, that you've done, and we'll get into that a little later in the interview, where the jobs are not as supportive and it, it, it's like you said it's costly um, the jobs say you know your be- the best um, your best availability is you being available to them and if you're not then a lot of times they will let you go or you they, a lot of people run into red tape so I'm sure you're even more appreciative of them now especially when you listen to some people that you know when they have it it's just 
you know, the jobs are not supportive. And it's not me bashing them, but it's just people are not as fortunate as you were or as some other people that have the jobs that will back them and help them get through something as God is just just as traumatic as this was for you. Without a doubt. And I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things I'll hear is that that even isolates these people more when they feel like they're going through it alone because there's many people um, that I will coach that will be like, I can't let my job know. Right. Are you kidding me? They don't know you have cancer and that you're fighting this right now. I can't Mm -hmm. let them know right now, not until, you know, I'm ready to go out on leave and, yeah, and so there, it's like this big secret that people can can see the, the change in you, and they're just like, what is this, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just feel like that isolates them even more. So the level of compassion, I, I wish that I could make a greater change on that when we look at um, business and corporate decisions like that. And I also understand they have a bottom line. Mm-hmm. But um, in the meantime, that doesn't help somebody's cancer journey if they have to be quiet about it or don't feel supported at the workplace. I agree. And I think uh, yeah. about a month ago, I had a, a guest on. Um, she was she had dealt with cancer too. And she said she doesn't, she didn't want cancer to be like a death sentence. Like you have the C, like the scarlet letter. You had to see on your chest and your job writes you off and, you, and, and all of this other stuff. And people think it's doom and gloom. And it just seems like that you just said, grab that bull by the horns and just run with it. And I think your support system really played into it. Most definitely. You know, interestingly enough is some people don't want anyone to know either because if they're looking for another job eventually, they don't want anybody to know that they have a history of cancer. You know, you think we, the only thing we would worry about with a history of cancer is our insurance. Right. <laughs> but many right. people are worried about it making a job decision of making or breaking them, getting a new job. Right. So that's crazy to me, but... I, yes, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. 866-472-5795. Jenny Mulks is our guest. God, I could talk to you for another hour and a half. This is so fascinating to me. Um, Jenny, so let's talk about, um, and we got about three minutes until the break. Talk about, as you were dealing, you know, you were dealing with the, the treatments and everything. What was it like when you start, I guess, and it's a silly question, so I apologize in advance. When you started to get some results, seeing that there was your body was changing and was reacting to the treatments, and you were starting to, you know, I guess come out of this. What? What? Can you tell me what that part mentally was like for you? Okay, the biggest thing, Shannon, for me in the kickoff was control. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize what a control freak I was until I got cancer. <laughs> and I refused to let uh, to erase anything else in my daytimer, because, of course, it mm-hmm. was a daytimer back then. Mm-hmm. I had September booked, and I told my oncologist, all right, I'll erase September, but I'm not erasing any further than that. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> well, let's just power through that. So... Um, <laughs> and this was in August. So I was planning for treatment, right? You know, planning to, to begin chemo and then planning for surgery and um, and not realizing the, the power of relinquishing that and letting that go. And that was kind of one of my lessons in cancer, too. There were several along the way, but that was one of my first. So I raised September. Um, we 
headed to the beach and we did family portraits. Ah. And I'll tell you, there's nothing um, more surreal than smiling for a picture that you wonder if this is going to be your obituary. Oh, yes. While you're mm. holding your four-year-old in your arms, you know? Mm. So when we all hit the beach, Gabriel was all excited and running around, and I looked at my mom and dad, and they were just trying to hold it together. So there's some pictures in there that you can see they are pretty poignant where they were thinking the same thing. But I wanted to have these pictures before I lost my hair for chemo. Mm-hmm. So I was planning ahead for that, too. Well, that never happened. Um, I lost half my hair, but I didn't lose all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting ready to actually cut it. Cause I, I, you've seen my pictures. I have long hair. I was getting ready to cut it, and then my um, beautician said, you can come in at night, and I'll shave it for you So if you don't want anyone to see you. And I said, you know what? Let's just wait that one out. Well, I am so okay. glad <laughs> because I lost half my hair, but not all of it. And I have so much hair that you wouldn't know. It just I just got to dry my hair even faster. <laughs> Um, and so preparing for that, then that that, finishing up chemo, then that, that got me ready for surgery. And what we had Mm -hmm. to make sure of is that I was chemo responsive and that the tumor wasn't Mm -hmm. growing. Right. Gabriel and I would pray every night and he'd put his hands on my belly and he'd pray. And one night, right before I was getting ready to go to surgery and have my final test that says, yes, you can have surgery. He says, mommy. I feel like it's gotten smaller. And I said, from your lips to God's ears, baby boy. And he was right. It had shrunk a little bit. Uh But that was what we were looking for because if it didn't respond to chemo, they wouldn't do surgery. And then Uh surgery was removing 80% of my liver, which that's a really hard one to wrap your head around mentally. (laughs) Yes. God, yes. Well, yeah. Gabriel the prophet, look at that. Okay, we're up against a break here. So um, when we come back, I want to talk about that next part. Talk about what came after that. Then I want to talk about Along Comes Hope. And I want to talk about your foundation and all the things that you're doing as well. And I also want my movement nation. You already heard me listening. Everybody that's listening to the show, how to listen. I want to know, let them know how you, they can contribute to your cause because I will be doing it immediately after the show. Not just because you're a guest, because you're a friend of mine now. Let me give out the particulars one more time. Uh, 866-472-5795. If you want to talk to my powerful guest, Jenny Mokes. For the last part of the show, International 001-480-398-1405. Again, if you don't like to talk like as much as I do, you can email the show, Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes, the movement.com. That's Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes, the movement.com. You are listening to the movement. We can be heard live every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Pacific here on Voice America on the Influencers Channel. This episode will be re-aired later today, and you can also upload the uh, download I showed on demand and on iTunes as well. And after what you've heard so far, I'm sure everyone should be downloading this. So we will be right back on the move it with my wonderful guest Jenny Mooks here on the move it right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? 
Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicago land area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com il. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. After today, I have two episodes left for the movement from 2018. They are both powerful women. They are both highly successful realtors and investors. They have gone through a lot. Next week, my guest is Mashid Bargshavar. She is a real estate investor and realtor out of Las Vegas, and she has a wonderful story of all the things that she does. And for my final week, Sandy Cesar, who actually played a part in my being a real estate investor, she is from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Her parents left her when she was youngster, and she had to come to the United States to learn the language and learn how to provide for her family. They are two powerful stories. You don't want to miss the last two weeks of the movement for 2018. So please tune in for the final two weeks of the movement. And speaking of the movement, this woman that's been on the show today has been through multiple movements. And we're going to talk about how she started her own movement. Jenny Monks is my guest for the final segment of the show, 866-472-5795. So you talked about your son, Gabriel the Prophet, who said that that it shrunk. So... Take us from there. So after the it shrunk, then what came next? Then it was time to go back to Houston to have surgery. Okay. And surgery was a, that was a tough one. I you know I'd done I really tolerated treatment very well, and I do attribute a lot of that to um, to focusing and uh, meditation and visualization and accepting the medication into my body. Uh, instead of looking at that gold chemo bag and being fearful and saying it's going to make me sick and it's going to do all these things, I looked at it as liquid sunshine and that it was Aww. gold that was coming into my body to melt away those cancer cells and to, to heal me and to make me resilient. And I picture myself running on the beach with my son and playing. I pictured myself healthy. And um, I really think that helped me tolerate the many side effects of the chemotherapy. Mm. And then... Um, the liver, 
I would actually look at pictures of the liver online of what a healthy liver looks like versus one with a massive tumor in it. Right. Uh, the, the cancer I had was called cholangiocarcinoma. So there's, there's only one way, there's no protocol for it uh, mm-hmm. at the time. And there was only one way that you had a chance of survival, and that was if they could do a full resection, which means removing it. So they mm. took 80% of my liver. Mm. So they left you, me with a little sliver of a liver. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I have a giant J scar on my stomach, or they split mm-hmm. the sternum, and it goes down, mm-hmm. and then the, the curve goes on my side. So J for Jenny, right? Right. <laughs> Glad my name's not Wanda. I didn't need a W. <laughs> right. That would be a bit much, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. So um, that liver regenerates. Mm. Isn't that cool? So it's kind of like a lizard's tail. It actually regenerates. And so the functionality mm-hmm. and the capacity is made up in some time where it starts to regenerate. So really the healing uh, before I could start chemotherapy and radiation again was about 90 days. Um, I had a, a bit of a tough recovery. Uh, I got sepsis and pancreatitis and was put back in the hospital for a few days, but I was in Houston for 22 days before I got to come home, and then I had a fever for 90 days, and, and I had to start after 90 days. They wanted to start back on chemo and radiation. Right. So then I headed back to Houston for um, seven weeks, but I got to come home on weekends for good behavior. <laughs> Well done, young lady. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I minded. <laughs> wow, that is that that is something else. So, okay, so now because I want to talk, I want to spin it for a little bit because again, I could talk, I could talk to you for about two hours. Um, bring it forward. So now you've beat this thing coming forward, even though we can't go into all the little details. What was next to do? I know we, I know I mentioned earlier about Along Comes Hope and mm-hmm. where you're helping others. So tell us how that started. Where, the, where did that come into play and how you got it started? You know, there's a few steps to it, Shannon. But um, the first one starts off in the fact that through my whole journey, I was in prayer about it. And there were, there were so many choices to make. Do I go left? Do I right? Do I go straight? Which way? And as I would pray, doors would shut, and I'd get frustrated, and I'd think, gosh darn it, you know, that, that, just, that choice just got cut off, because I felt like the more choices I had, the, the safer I was. And in hindsight, I realized, oh, this is my answers to prayers, that I'm being led and directed, because I needed to be. Um, and, and eliminating my choices directed me where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. So the tagline for Along Comes Hope is just when you thought it was no longer possible. Along comes hope. There you go. So I went uh, back to work in my position, regional manager, for another six years. And I kept, I'd have conversations with God all the time. I'm like, all right, you left me here for a reason. I know this isn't it. But, you know, I've I've managed multi-million dollar budgets. I've trained people. I've had, you know, worked on a lot of cross-functional teams, blah, blah, blah. The epiphany came to me pretty quickly, but the experience had been accumulative. Mm-hmm. The experience was that night after night, day after day, when I was in the hospital, I would see these two huge towers across the way, you know, glowing at night, and I'd think, oh, my goodness, there's babies in there. It was a children's hospital, skyscraper mm-hmm. towers, and I'm thinking of these kids in there that are going through what I'm going through, but maybe their mom or dad can't be there because maybe they don't have the money to be there. Maybe they have to be at home with the other kids. Maybe they have to be at work because they need the insurance benefits. 
all kinds of scenarios that I know are true that were taking place. So the kids just tugged at my heart. So take that thought and fast forward six years later, and it kept resonating. I survived because I was able to choose survivability over affordability. Traveling for treatment is not cheap. But had I not been able to afford to do it, I wouldn't be here today. Right. So no family should have to make that choice. Right. I can't imagine making that choice for my child. And that's where the birth of Along Comes Hope came in, was the fact that I want to be able to be that community that came together behind me and my son and my parents to allow me the option to choose survivability over affordability. And that's what Along Comes Hope does. And, and that as well as we have emotional support programs to sustain your village along the way, not just those that are fighting cancer, but, you know, you need the family unit strong, too, and it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. I was with some of these families for two and three years because, wow. you know, they, they're going through treatment for a long time. So the birth of Along Comes Hope came out of that, and literally on April 1st of 2013, I jumped off the corporate cliff of a secure paycheck, bonuses and benefits, and exchanged it for miracles, hugs, tears, and laughter, you know? Um, wow. And that's, that's how the birth of Along Comes Hope came, was through, is... through faith and through trust and through wow. hope. There's something very unsettling, Jenny, and I'm sure you would agree when, you know, you said it twice in this interview, where some people that have, you know, whatever illnesses that it is, some, some people actually die because they can't afford to actually fight it. it. It's just something unsettling about that where like, I can't afford to live because I can't afford to, you know, to, to get the treatments mm-hmm. that I need to, to extend my life. There's something really unnerving about that, but that's just my little soapbox thing. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Jenny Mokes is my guest today. 866-472-5795. Um, a little birdie told me you have a book coming out called The Hope Maker. I do, yes. It'll be coming oh, out come, this come, year. Come with well, this. I want to hear about this. Um, well, The Hope Maker, it's, it's a little bit about my journey, but it's also about taking a journey like cancer and the, the powerful words that cancer can have and turning it around and looking for the light of, the, of these journeys. And I take cancer and turn that word into two powerful words called can serve and Mm -hmm. how we can turn around and face our trials but help that next person over the wall that we just hit. And I really believe that's what we're here to do is to serve one another. Um, You know, today being the National Day of Mourning, burying President George W. uh, or Herbert Walker Bush Mm -hmm. talks about legacy and talks about service and, and and at the end of the road for all of us, that's really what it's about. Love and service to one another. I agree. Yep. So, so that, that's the book is going to really, you know, help people work through times that they need encouragement and inspiration and healing. Um, and really the message of hope and how it's available to all of us. And it's one of the most powerful placebos that we could have. And that's we what this shows up. 
That's what this show is about. We share the ups and downs, pitfalls, victories, what is to come, and hope, and just connect the human spirit with what you've done. We have got three minutes until the break, so let's give out all your contact information. I do have some information here how we can donate to the Faces of Hope campaign. So for all those who listen, I'm going to post this later as well on my social media there, Jenny. Text Faces of Hope at 44321 to donate to our Faces of Hope campaign, and you will get your 2019 Inspirational Hope and uh, Inspirational and Hope-filled calendar. Or you can just go directly to the website, alongcomeshope.com. This woman's everywhere. She's on Facebook, uh, Along Comes Hope, Instagram, Along Comes Hope, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. Jenny Mokes is there as well. You're just everywhere. So I think I've gotten all of that. Unless I missed something, you'll let me know. But what I would actually like you to do with your couple minutes you have here, just give a message to those who are currently going through it, just finding out about it, coming out of it, because you're a cancer survivor and a thriver, as I said in the beginning. you got two minutes, Jenny. The floor is yours. My honor. Friends, none of us are getting out of this adventure alive, right? And it's how we face adversities, how we face life, and how we treat one another. When I was told my days were limited, it brought a real awareness that no matter how old you are, your days can be limited. And what's the most important thing out of that is love. So even if you're facing a life-threatening illness, how are you going to thrive today? How are you going to love your family, your friends, your neighbors, your strangers? It's so important that we, that we thrive through these times. Uh, we may not survive a cancer diagnosis, but it's how we move through this that really matters in your final days for your family um, and healing and your legacy. So I think that the biggest message is to, to be loved, to give love, which is a, um, a form of hope. It's a priceless form of hope, and we all have the ability to give that. And to me, hope is really water for the soul. Mm. It's a necessary component. We can't survive without it. That's my message. I could not have said that. And what a message this was. Again, text FACES OF HOPE at 44321 to donate to this wonderful wonderful, uh, cause. There's no one listening to this show that has not been touched by cancer in one form or another. You don't necessarily have to have it to be affected by it. You can also go to the website alongcomeshope.com, alongcomeshope.com. Jenny Monks has been my guest. Uh, Along Comes Hope is on most of the social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please go on, follow, reach out to her. I'm sure she'll answer any question you have for her. Please donate. I will be doing that immediately after the show, and I'm not saying it because I'm live on this air. Jenny Monks, it has been a sincere honor and privilege having you on the show. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you for the movement that you have brought to this world, and thank you for joining mine today. Shannon, thank you so much, and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world to inspire others and to give hope. You, too, are a hope maker, my friend, and Merry Christmas to you, and I'm happy to join friendships now. (laughs) Absolutely. God bless you, Jenny. Thank you very much. That's it for the movement this week. Tune in next week, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific here on Voice America on the Influencers Channel. If you're not making any movements now, you still got a little time left, 27 days and counting. Get some movement going in your life. Take care. 
Thank you for joining us for The Movement. Your host, Shannon D. Hughes, invites you to tune in again for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.